Welcome to Repro's Fight Back, a podcast where we explore all things reproductive health rights and justice. I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and I'll be helping you stay informed around issues like birth control, abortion, sex education, and LGBTQ issues, and much, much more, giving you the tools you need to take action and fight back. Okay, let's dive in. Hi, Repros. How's everybody doing? I'm your host, Jenny Wetter, and my pronouns are she, her. So y'all, I'm coming to you refreshed, revived, revitalized. I just spent a week in Jamaica with my mom and had plenty of time to disconnect from all of the things, get off of social media, not be checking my emails, and really just get away from everything and lay on the beach. I did a ton of reading and read a bunch of fun, fluffy books and just had a really nice time to disconnect. You know, I've definitely talked about on here that this last six months has been really hard between health issues with both of my parents and then my dad passing away. It was really nice to get away with my mom and just have some time together. We were gone over my dad's birthday, so it was really nice to be together for that, to just get away for a little while. And it was really needed, I think, for both of us. And it was just a wonderful trip to get to spend time with my mom and relax and just come back a little bit more refreshed, which was delightful and much, much needed. Also, you know, it helped that there was good news while I was on vacation, right? I was in Jamaica when SCOTUS decided to extend the stay around the Texas case around Mifepristone. So ensuring that Mifepristone would continue to be available in states where abortion is legal for medication abortion. You know, it doesn't solve all of the problems, but it doesn't make them worse at the moment, which honestly is very sad to be like, that's good news. But that is very good news. That's where we're at right now is not getting worse is a win. (sighs) Y'all, I'm tired already again. But the fight goes on and I'm very glad that medication abortion is going to continue to be available in states where abortion is legal. And we'll keep fighting to make sure that it gets to be available everywhere. I, I feel like I don't have a ton to add. I I really feel like I'm still just back from vacation, although I've been back this week. But I, I feel like my brain is still a little bit on vacation. You know, digging out from under that mountain of email that came while I was gone, all of the fun parts of coming back from vacation and facing the real world again. My poor little kitties have been utter monsters since I have been back and have just been really, really, really wanting attention, (laughs) which is fine, but sometimes a little frustrating as I'm trying to work and they both feel they need to lay on my desk right in front of my computer and make it hard to work around them. Yeah. Okay. So let's turn to this week's episode. I'm really excited to have with me today Hong Nguyen, who is the country director for MSI Vietnam, on to talk about MSI's work in Vietnam and some of the special projects they have going on to extend access to family planning, but also reproductive health care at large in Vietnam. It was a wonderful conversation, so I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hong. 
Hi, Hong. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you. Before we get started, do you want to do a quick introduce yourself and tell us your pronouns? Hello, my name is Hang Nguyen. I'm the country director for MSI Reproductive Choices in Vietnam. I have been with the organization for more than 25 years, and it's a, it's a great honor for me to be here on this podcast. I'm very excited to talk to you today about MSI's work in Vietnam. It was really interesting to learn more about it, and I can't wait for my audience to learn more. So can you tell us a little bit about the work MSI does in Vietnam? Yes, yes. MSI is a UK-based uh, NGO, and the organization uh, is very uh, specialized in, in sexual reproductive health and, and uh, family planning, and, and we are expanding into women's health as well. MSI is working in 37 countries, including Vietnam. And MSI started its uh, very first reproductive health program in Vietnam in 1989. We currently deliver essential uh, reproductive health care, including contraceptive services to more than 200,000 women a year through a network of 11 uh, women's health clinics, a well-established and expanding women's health at workplace program and a dedicated public sector strengthening program targeting at ethnic minority women, poor women living in remote rural areas. MSI in Vietnam provide contraception, abortion, diagnosis and treatment of sexually transmitted disease and reproductive tract infection, including cervical cancer screening and preventive treatment. We focus on serving the underserved communities, such as factory workers, ethnic minority women, and young people. I I really, what was really interesting to me, I mean, all of it is really interesting, but I haven't had a guest on talking about programs targeting factory workers before, and I found that really an interesting approach. Can you talk a little more about that program? Uh, yeah, yes, of course. We, MSI Vietnam, started our factory program in collaboration with the Adidas Group, uh, their supplier of factories in Ho Chi Minh City, in 2005. And uh, with the very first success, our collaboration, the program has been extended into other companies, including global brands, as well as the supplier of factories in Vietnam. And to date, we are working with more than 80 factories across the country, bringing sexual reproductive health education as well as their supporting services to the factory workers. So I think the next big bucket of things to talk about is contraception in Vietnam. And how readily available is contraception for people to get? Or are there any major barriers to accessing it? Yeah. Thank you for, for your question. Vietnam has, uh, during the last uh, three decades, Vietnam has achieved a high overall contraceptive prevalent rate among, you know, the general communities of women of reproductive age. The total fertility rates in Vietnam is already at or lower than the replacement level. However, some population groups still face uh, real barriers in their choice of methods and choice of provider. Contraception is not yet covered by our National Health Service. 
while technically every woman in Vietnam can access contraception from pharmacies and health facility, the rate of contraception usage is still the lowest among factory workers, uh, which is around 45% to 47% in comparison to the general contraceptive prevalent rates in Vietnam at 79%. Women from ethnic minorities and young people also face the, the barriers in accessing contraceptives. And um, that's why that lead to the low rate of access among this group. Uh, the biggest barriers are the accessibilities and affordability to effective long-acting contraception methods among factory workers and women from ethnic minorities. Factory workers normally work long hours from Monday to Saturday, and they hardly have time to go for services. The cost of new contraceptive methods like implants is still high in comparison to their average monthly income. The ethnic minority women live in a remote mountainous area, normally spend a half to a day to walk to nearest communal health clinics for contraception. Uh, basically four times a year if they use contraceptive injectable three months. In many mountainous communes, many women have to take their young kids with them, walk for four to five hours in small park around the mountains to a nearest health facility for contraception service, like a intrauterine device. And there they have a small meal provided by the health facility rest for a while and have the IUD inserted, rest for a while, and then take all the kids back home. Many women suffer from the fear of getting pregnant as their husband or partner do not want to use condom. Many men could also intervene with uh, which contraceptive methods that they want their their wives or their partner to use. And uh, basically, put a more burdens on, on women as well. Adolescent and youth in Vietnam still face with social taboos when it comes to accessing contraceptive at health facilities. Although the situation has been improved, in recent years, the rates of unintended pregnancy leading to abortion was still as high as 30% among adolescent and youth groups as uh, reported by the Ministry of Health and other international organizations. Yeah, how are youth finding access to services? Like, you hear often in in countries where they're finding maybe hostile environments when they try to access services. You said some of that is changing. Is Is the attitude at the clinics changing as well? I think there are definitely changes in the provision as well as the demand for for family planning or for contraceptive services in Vietnam during like the last five years. I'm I'm sure that uh, with the digital development and social media, the general awareness of uh, young people, uh, women and girls, uh, the availabilities of, of contraceptives is significantly improved. And so is, uh, you know, other groups as well. But there's still disparities and inequalities in in accessing to contraceptive uh, services in reality. I think the main reason is 
I mean, I already mentioned about the barriers in terms of the affordability and availabilities of like uh, effective, long-acting uh, contraceptive methods. But yes, I, I also think that uh, the um, women have to, many women ha actually have to choose the short-term methods like condom. Condom is very difficult because their husband and their partner do not want use most of them do not want to use condom, but other short-term methods, there is a lot of complaints among women about the fact that they miss the pill, they forget to take the pill, oral pill, things like that, and how it, uh, you know, it is resulted in unwanted pregnancies and, and, and many, in many women, especially married women as well, unwanted uh, birth. I think in terms of the supply side in Vietnam, I guess that uh, with our achievement in population development and, and you know population control, now contraceptive probably is not very a priority for the population in general. So rather the governments actually focus or encourage other players to focus on those population groups with high unmet needs like uh, women in the ethnic minorities or factory workers or young adolescent and young people. And I, I, I think uh, that's how MSIs in Vietnam also focus on them and serving them in, in different ways. MSI work very closely with the public and the private health sectors to expand the coverage of contraceptive services to them. Uh, to the women. So uh, we work with the public health facilities in rural and remote area. We train public service provider and we utilize them and to bring contraceptive services and of course other, other reproductive health services like cervical cancer screening to the community, to women uh, living in the community. We also work with the corporate sector with the global brands like Adidas, now we are working with some global brand like Apple, Levi's, and Samsung as well to uh, really bring reproductive health and family planning, education, and services to, to the factory floor. And that's how we target and we reach out to this, um, this group with high unmanaged. We also work with the young people. We partner with the business and companies to leverage their resources and their infrastructure to integrate, to the either integrate uh, SRH education into their existing program, but also like develop and launch service voucher program to facilitate young women and girls and, and also, you know, factory workers as well to use this voucher to access services at their time, a kind of convenient time, because, you know, time is, is, a, is an issue to factory workers and to many women. That's what we have been doing uh, so far uh, as, as a solution to help uh, addressing the unmet needs in country. Great. There's one other thing that I wanted to unpack that you said earlier, and it was talking about maybe not being able to get the method they would like. Is it a function of the method not being available or were you talked about that it could be too expensive? Is it a price function or 
lack of availability? I think it is both as a lack of the availabilities because the IUD has been, COPPT has been the most popular long-acting family planning methods in Vietnam so far. It was provided free of charge by the public health sector to women for, for a long time. But I, I guess women, every woman actually can use IUD because they experience all these kind of symptoms and and the discontinuation rates is quite high among IUD methods. For the contraceptive implants, I think at the moment, the commercial products available on the market is still very, very expensive. And, you know, it's it's hardly affordable by by, uh, women. And so MSI uh, in Vietnam work with development donors and corporates, the, the corporates, the company. And we also work with other private partner in order to bring kind of subsidize uh, family planning services to factory workers and to women living in the rural area. I think so far, it has been an effective way for us to leverage the resources as well as the infrastructures and expertise of different partners to bring the services closer and closer and more to targeted women group at a much lower lower cost for them. Yeah, that's so important. I mean, thinking of, you know, not having the method you want or being able to afford it after you've walked five hours to get there, like, yeah, it just makes people not come back for services that they want yeah. or... Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Very true. I mean, like the the factory workers have a very, very busy day, you know, starting like five or six o'clock in the morning, preparing for their families and their kids to go to school and also rush to work and work there and come, you know, leave the, the factories at about like, you know, six or seven. And there is a lot of works waiting for her at home, like the preparing dinner, kind of taking care of their kids. Sometimes they actually have to spend time studying together with their kids. And, uh, you know, we, we interview many, uh, many factory workers. And so they said that they probably have about one, 30 minutes to one hour of their time in a day, which is after nine o'clock. So they spend this time to kind of to search information or to kind of visit their their friends on Facebook, you know, and all all this kind of thing. And then go to bed and ready for another day, like every other day. So it's, it's, it's really tough for them. And we got these insights and that's why we... And we also work with the, the company as well to, and to advocate the top management to allow these women to go to the, the factory health, health clinic at different times during the years when we uh, bring our services there. We also train the health staff of the, uh, of the factories in order for them to provide like initial counseling as well as a referral of the factory workers to to selected health clinics for services using our voucher scheme. So I feel like we've already talked about some of the challenges accessing services and the need. So maybe let's touch a little bit on why reproductive health care is so vital to women in Vietnam. 
I think maybe let me tell you a story about how contraception and reproductive health care can change lives of many people in Vietnam. When I attended a mobile contraceptive service provision in Hậu Giang, a poor province in Mekong Delta in 2019, I met with two ladies. One was 37 years old who came to the event for a contraceptive implant service. She had a two-month baby with her. And when I talked to her, she told me her newborn was the fifth child in her family, the fifth one, and she was only 37. When I asked her the reason why she chose to have, uh, you know, so many kids, (laughs) she just said, oh, I did not choose to have five kids. I would rather have one or two only. Then uh, she started opening up and told me, how failure in contraception led her to uh, to the fight, to having five kids, or 2018, 17, 14, and two months. She did not have a stable income, and her husband, who was a, a carpenter, earned uh, average 210 US dollars a month, and that is for seven people in the family. Therefore, the young kids of 2018 and 17 had to drop out of the, their schools to join their father to work to support the family. Then I met with another woman. She was 45 and she looked healthy and happy. She was there for a gynecological examination. She told me she had one child of 23 and he just graduated from a banking college, got a job in a big city near Hozang province and started sending money home to support her and her husband. That woman had time and money to enjoy life, traveling, visiting their parents and siblings. Life is good for her. So I, I, I just asked myself, would the life of that young woman with five kids and the lives of her family be much better if she had a better choice of contraceptives? And like the elder woman, would reproductive health care save the lives of women if they have better knowledge and access to cervical cancer screening and preventive treatment in, in time so it would not be too late for them when cancer is detected? Would the lives of many girls would be better if they have access to contraceptive that help them to continue their education or just stay in, the, in their job? of the factory workers have to quit their job after giving birth. They just don't have anyone around to help them to take care of the baby. Yeah, so I believe the answer is obvious that reproductive health care and contraception empowers women. It has a huge impact on the lives of of women and girls. I also believe that it definitely lays a, a solid foundation for a better future for women their children, and, you know, eventually for a better country and for the whole world. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, everyone should be able to decide if, when, and how to have children Mm. and their timing. You can plan your life around it then. (laughs) It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Okay. So we always like to wrap up the podcast by thinking about what can the audience do? So what can the audience do to help? Before appealing 
the support, calling for the support of the audience. I just want to say that MSIs in Vietnam are extremely, extremely grateful to the Australian government, the European Union, the government of Canada, the government of New Zealand, the Atlantic philanthropies, and many generous donors and supporters for their generous support to MSI Vietnam, you know, endeavor to further MSI's mission to ensure the fundamental rights of individuals to have children by choice, not chance, during the last three decades. For the listener of this podcast, one way to help is to donate to MSI to help keep this work going. People in the United States can uh, donate at msiunitedstates.org. And if you are elsewhere in the world, Googling MSI Reproductive Choices should get you to our global homepage or the country program closest to you. Thank you very much and have a good day. Hong, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed talking to you. So do I. Likewise. Thank you very much. Okay, y'all. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hong. It was great to learn more about their important work in Vietnam. I really enjoyed learning more about the outreach they were doing to factory workers It was an area that we haven't talked about on the podcast before, right? We've talked about, you know, extending access to rural communities and stuff. But this was really interesting for me to learn more about the work they are specifically doing with factory workers to ensure that they are getting access to the care they want. I found it really interesting. So with that, as always, if you have questions, feel free to shoot me an email. I'm at Jenny at com, And that's Jenny with an I-E. Or you can reach out to us on social media at Repros Fight Back on Facebook and Twitter or Repros FB on Instagram. Otherwise, I will see y'all in two weeks. Bye. For more information, including show notes from this episode and previous episodes, please visit us at our website at reprosfightback.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Repros Fight Back and on Instagram at Repros FB. If you like our show, please help others find it by sharing it with your friends and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.